The first reading is about David, and it goes something like this. God told Samuel that he's going to go up and find a new king. God's going to show the new king to Samuel, and he tells Samuel to go down to Bethlehem and find Jesse and his sons. Jesse's got a whole bunch of sons. He's, he's got eight of them. But God hasn't told Samuel which one was going to be the queen, the king. Samuel's job was to simply be obedient to God. People of faith, disciples of Jesus, prophets, Christians, you and me, we are supposed to, to, to be obedient. Our, our job is to be obedient to God. So God said to the prophet Samuel, paraphrasing, hey, go to Jesse's house and I'm going to show you. So he did. Pause there for a second. God did not show Samuel the next five steps he needed to take. God showed Samuel the next one step. He often does that for us. Hey, here's the next step. We say, God, I want to know the next five steps. God, I want to know all the steps. God, I want to know the end of all this. Where are you leading me? God says, trust me. Here's the next step. So that's what Samuel does. He trusts God. And he does the next step. He gets to Jesse's house and he looks at Eliab and he says, Surely this is the one. God tells Samuel that Eliab is not the one. So then the next son comes. And the next son, and you've probably read the readings or watched Bishop Bob's Mass. All seven sons come. And then Samuel says that the Lord told him to come there. Yet the one Samuel is supposed to anoint is not there. So Samuel asks Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? This is very important. Samuel, at that point, could have taken his own initiative. God told him to go to Jesse's house. He's there, and he doesn't know at that point who's supposed to be king. It's not Eliab, or the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh son. Maybe he thinks he didn't hear the Lord right. He thinks that maybe he should go ahead and choose one, and maybe he should make the decision. Maybe he, Samuel, should make the decision about who, to be, who should be king. But Samuel didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't do any of that. He asked Jesse if there was another son. Samuel trusted that God was going to show him the next step, even when he couldn't see the way forward. Are these all the sons you have? No, Jesse responded. There's another one. Samuel asked Jesse to send for for him, for the other son, and Jesse sent and had the young man brought to him and And that's David. And the Lord said to Samuel, There, anoint him. This is the one. Then Samuel, with oil in hand, anointed David in the presence of his brothers. From that day on, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David because Samuel was obedient to God. Samuel trusted. Samuel was obedient. Samuel didn't need the next five steps. He just took took the next one step, exactly as God told him. That's it. Trust and obedience. Those are the keys to a good and holy life. Those are the keys to a good and holy life all the time, but especially right now, in a time of pandemic. Trust, obedience. There are many things we have to be obedient to. The church has given us certain guidelines for our physical, our spiritual and our physical health. The government has given us orders and recommendations for our physical health and And those things disrupt our lives. Those things are hard to follow, especially when we don't know what the next step is going to be or or the next step or, or, or the one after that. But God is with us.
God is showing us. Showing us the path to holiness. That is, the path of trust. The path of obedience. The path that says, I know the Lord is with me even when I can't see. The path where I see seven different options in front of me. Samuel literally saw seven different options to be king right in front of him. He could have chosen any, but he didn't. He waited. He waited for the Lord. The Lord hadn't told him to choose one of those seven, so he didn't. And the Lord made a way. The Lord provided for Samuel an eighth option. The option that he didn't see, the option that was not in front of him, the option that he had to wait upon the Lord for, to receive. For you and I today, there are a whole lot of things for us to worry about. There's so much that can legitimately cause us fear. There's so much that can frustrate, frustrate us in our minds and our hearts. Some of us are worried about our family's health and others are worried about, how am I going to provide for my food and a roof over our heads for my family? Because the economic impact, the quarantines and the social distancing and all these things associated with COVID-19. I, I, I don't know all the answers. I, I just know that God always makes a way. I know that he made a way for the blind man in the gospel. I know that he made a way for Samuel. I know that he made a way for his people, Israel, Judah. I know that he did that. I know that he made a way when Jesus Christ died on the cross because Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day. I'm going to read Psalm 23, the responsorial psalm today. I invite you to close your eyes. Unless you listen to this later and you're driving, then don't close your eyes. Close your eyes and listen. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall want. In verdant pastures He gives me repose. Beside restful waters He leads me. He refreshes my soul. He guides me in the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk in the dark valley, I fear no evil. For you are at my side. With your rod and your staff, you give me courage. You spread the table before me in the sight of my foes. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for years to come. Even though I walk in the dark valley. That word in Hebrew is hard to translate. It could mean even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, or like the translation Bishop used earlier, the valley of impenetrable darkness. Even though I walk in the valley of impenetrable darkness, I fear no evil. Why? Because God is at my side. I fear no evil. I don't fear the coronavirus. I don't fear being cooped up with my family for a while. I don't fear the difficulties that pro- with providing food and housing. Not because they're not real concerns, but they are. And it's good that we help our neighbors who are in a bad state. In fact, it's our duty to do that as Christians. It's good that the government working for the common good is trying to provide economic relief. Wash your hands. Do social distancing. God is with us in that too. He's with us in the social distancing. He's with us in washing our hands and using Lysol 17 times a day. He's with us in being cooped up in our house with our families. He's with us in all of it. And He will bring good out of this evil because that's what He always does. Why? 
Why is this guy blind in John 9, in the Gospel? Why is he blind? That's what the disciples asked Jesus. Clearly, they think, it's because somebody sinned. But Jesus said, no. He's not blind because his parents sinned. He's not blind because he sinned. He is blind so that the works of God might be made visible through him. Why are we going through all this with the coronavirus? So that the works of God might be made visible through it. The work that God wants to do in our lives. It's simple as that. God always does work through these kinds of disasters or pandemics. God works. If it's a terrorist attack 19 years ago, God works. If it's a hurricane or an earthquake, God works. Not that God causes these disasters in his active will. No, he doesn't. But God allows them to happen. It's called his permissive will. Why? Because he draws greater good out of it. Why? So that the works of God might be made visible through it. So that we might repent. So that we might believe and be true disciples. And so that we might remain in Jesus even in the valley of impenetrable darkness. The valley of the shadow of death. And then when the sun shines again, like it is outside today, and when things are normal and we've gotten over this pandemic, which we will, God was and is with me. It is so good. It is so, so good. One more thing. David. He's the youngest of his brothers. He's the most insignificant. They didn't even think to bring him. The prophet was coming to the feast and Jesse was like, Eh, he's not that important. He's over there tending the sheep. Yet God chose him. God chose David to be the king of Israel and of Judah. God chose David to be his instrument. God chose David to be the ancestor of the Messiah, of Jesus Christ. God was going to become man in the line of David. And David was the insignificant one. They didn't even call him to the feast. So what about you? What about me? In our insignificance, in our quiet, hidden prayer, fasting, sacrifice, in our continued loving our family with whom we're cooped up, in our continued practice of social distancing and hand washing and all those other aspects of hygiene and sanitation that we need to be extra cautious about these days. And all of that, or rather all of that, we can offer as a sacrifice. And our little sacrifices can become great. David was the most insignificant one. But he of all his brothers did the most work for God. You don't have to be the priest who's going on Facebook all the time saying stuff. You don't have to be the bishop. You don't have to be the mayor or the governor or the president or anything like that to do great things in this time. Do what Samuel did. Obedience and trust. And then, like David, God will work great things through you and through me.